Hello, everyone. Today, we will look at the story of the rich young ruler in contrast with a parable Jesus gave in Matthew 13, 44. So first, let's look at the rich young ruler and his treasure. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they all three give an account of an encounter that Jesus had with a man. Seemingly the same encounter uh, from uh, the, the extra information in each account, we have come to refer to this young man as the rich young ruler. All right. <laughs> you know, growing up, I had actually hoped that I might get rich while I was fairly young. Probably many people have that desire. I thought I might even be the head of some kind of an organization, you know. So in that sense, I might have become a rich young ruler, but things do not always go according to our own plans. And I got old, I got fairly poor, and uh, I work for myself now. So there you go. <laughs> Today's passage is full of a lot of spiritual truth, though, for us. You can, you can surely find out more than what I talk about today. Uh, but for now, I would like to just briefly touch on some things as I read through this passage. And then we'll have a, a more focused look at some of it at the end. But the main thing I want us to see today is that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. Worth leaving all for with great joy. So let's begin. The passage we will look at begins in Mark chapter 10. It's talking about Jesus. Verse 17. As he was setting out on his journey. you know, So just as Jesus was starting out on a trip, he was about to be interrupted. I think we can get some good help in our daily hectic lives just from thinking about this. Beginning something new and then being interrupted right off the bat, uh, that can be stressful, but it happens all the time. Maybe you begin a new project uh, and you're trying to focus and, and then you're interrupted. That's a part of life. If you have children, I don't even have to tell you about this. You probably experience this every single day throughout the day. And how about trying to get children ready for a trip, right? That can be like crazy time. It could be that on this particular day, Jesus' disciples were slow to get everything ready for the journey. We don't know. Maybe things are, are going wrong. But we do know it's a broken world, don't we? It was broken for them back then as well. Maybe there was even relationship issues that began to fire up. Uh, that happens when there's a certain amount of, of stress in something new. Or maybe just things were not coming together, and now finally they start their journey. So we don't really know the details. But we do know that Jesus was about to be interrupted. And many times in Jesus' life, he ministered through interruptions. Uh, God's mission ground for us uh, happens maybe more often than not through these kinds of intrusions that we encounter in life. 
God wants us to trust Him in the daily interruptions of life. This is our mission field, right? So let's continue. Uh, and the Bible says, a man ran up and knelt before him. Now, I don't want us to miss this. The rich young ruler had come up to Jesus. He knelt down before Jesus. He did not kneel in worship, I suspect. Uh, maybe in just showing respect that Jesus was a teacher. I do not believe he knew that he knelt before the creator of all things. Paul in Colossians chapter 1, speaking about Jesus, uh, says this, verse 16, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth. Verse 17, In him all things hold together. You know, in, in Jesus all things are held in place. He holds the fabric of the universe together. He sustains all things. So let's continue. Uh, let me back up and read um, this together here. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he called Jesus good. Again, I think not knowing that he is the only man who has ever lived that was actually good. And then he asked Jesus what good deed he might do to inherit eternal life. To inherit something, of course, requires... Most, most of the time, I think, it requires being a member of the family from whom the inheritance is given. It's not something one can, can buy or do good deeds to obtain. And, but, but this is a common way that people tend to think all around the world. Um, they, they hope that they can do something good to escape judgment that is due to them. Uh, I talked to a man where I live about Jesus and try to get him to understand about God's grace and the gospel. I try to show him that it's too late now for us to keep God's commandments. We've already failed. We've already walked in the path of rebellion against God, the path of sin. And the man I talked to, he, he had hoped that it, maybe his good works would outweigh his bad so that he might not go to hell. But you know, that's not even the way our own justice system works today. If we break the law, the same law says we have to pay an appropriate penalty for breaking it. You, you may remember Martha Stewart. I, I watched this on TV. It was her talking to the judge. Um, I don't remember. It may have been even live. But she was convicted of illegal stock trading. And uh, she asked the judge before sentencing to consider all the good works that she had done. You see, she didn't want to go to prison, and she hoped her good deeds would outweigh the bad. But the judge <laughs> sent her to prison because she had committed a crime that was worthy of prison. So uh, for the rich young ruler, um, it was too late to do good deeds to inherit eternal life. Uh, it's too late for all of us. We're all sinners. We're born out of fellowship with God. And there has to be some way to come into fellowship with God. Uh, doing good deeds, it's too late for that. So, after the rich young ruler asked what he might do to inherit eternal life, and after he called Jesus good, Jesus answered, 
So verse 18, And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So the man wanted to do something good to inherit eternal life. We talked about it. So basically, Jesus just tells him, too late, friend. <laughs> I think that's what he's saying. No one is good except God. So this was a curious response, I think, that Jesus gave. You see, Jesus is good, and Jesus is God. This was who the man was kneeling before and talking to. And Jesus did not tell the man that he was not good. He did not tell him he was not God, because he was. But he only told him no one is good except God. Now, I believe Jesus just wanted the man to realize that he had no hope in keeping the law himself. He had already failed. And, you know, the man had possibly already heard that Jesus could be the Messiah. I don't know. So the question for him is, what? Would his only hope remain in himself? Uh, would he keep trying to obey the law and, and be self-righteous to obtain salvation? Or would he take the righteousness of Christ? What Jesus told the man goes right along with what Paul said in Romans chapter 3, uh, beginning with verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So, you know, mankind has a heart bent towards sin. So next, Jesus goes ahead and helps the man, I think, follow his train of thought to see if actually he was good and if there was righteousness in himself. And he hoped for him that way. That's the way the man was looking at it. And so Jesus lists some of the Ten Commandments, possibly giving this man an opportunity to, to uh, realize in his heart uh, that Jesus is, is speaking truth. Uh, and, and think, yes, you are correct. I am not good. Only God is good. My only hope is in the righteousness of the Messiah. And so Jesus continues, verse 19, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. You know, the man surely knew that his heart was bent towards sin and, and that he had actually sinned, uh, even broken these very commandments. Uh, maybe he rationalized it, like we sometimes do, or maybe he thought, well, he most generally tried to keep them, from at least from a legalistic standpoint like maybe the Pharisees taught, even though his heart was not always in it, you know. He, 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 maybe he couldn't remember actually ever stealing from his, or lying, you know, and maybe he, he did try to honor his parents, but he was not perfect. We know he was a sinner. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But notice Jesus, he did not question what he said. He did not try to 
contradict him in any way. He, he didn't put him on the defense. I think Jesus wanted the young man to feel the love that Jesus was showing him. Even hoping that maybe he might humble his heart and, and, and see the truth that Jesus wanted to show him. So Jesus had named all these commandments the ones that related to loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, though, did not mention any of the commandments that relate to loving the Lord, like keeping the Sabbath or, or to have no other gods before him. No, and that reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 22, how that all the law was connected to not only loving your neighbors yourself, but also to the greatest commandment, which was Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So Jesus didn't mention this commandment uh, or any of the commandments that are connected to the relationship with God, at least not specifically, but he did speak to the heart of this man's problem, which most definitely relates to our relationship with God. What did this man love with all his heart and soul and mind and strength? What was this man's greatest treasure? Verse 21 and 22, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. <laughs> Did you get that? He got to keep all his treasures. Yet he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he did not recognize Jesus as the greatest treasure of all. And the thing is, a person cannot um, sit two treasures on the throne of their heart. There is only one seat, and it's made for Jesus. God created us in a fashion so only when Jesus is our greatest treasure when we have true joy. Nothing else satisfies. Everything else ends with us being like paid the wages of our sin, which is death. And uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus said it like this, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So now in closing, I would like for us to like see the contrast between the rich young ruler and a parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 13, 44. Here's what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You see that contrast? The man in the parable had joy even as he sold all that he had, that he might have the greatest treasure, while the rich young ruler decided to keep what he treasured most. He kept the thing that he loved with all his heart, and yet 
he went away sorrowful. So remember only one treasure gets to rule on the throne of our heart. Only one treasure gives us joy and eternal life. And the other so-called treasure, boy, it does make big promises, I know. Yet, it's filled with sorrow. Uh, It's filled with all kinds of bitterness, unforgiveness, and this tension in the heart that, that is connected to greed and self. And all the passions that that never deliver. And it leads to an eternal sting of death. If we think about it, I believe it's easy to see how what we treasure throughout our life has a way of guiding us and leading us to some end. And we could probably um, actually make a pretty good prophecy about how our life will end up, even in this life, by considering what we treasure through life. Because what we treasure has a way of transforming us. I mean, if you visit the prisons in the United States, you're going to find that the things that most of the men and women there treasured the most in their life were the things that that brought them there, right? Uh, pornography uh, probably led to um, maybe abusing women and uh, and maybe abusing children and then prison the love of money what it led to illegal financial dealings uh, it may have led to theft and then to prison um, drugs can be connected to to all these things as well and they lead to to abusing women and children and 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 theft and, and eventually to prison. But prison is, is only an example of where a treasure leads us. It's a heart thing. The end is seen in the condition of our heart. I know a high percentage of the homes across America and the world are filled with, with unhappy people clinging to the thing that they treasure the most. Uh, again, some of the same things, uh, various passions, drugs, hate, thirst for power, uh, people obsessed with games, right? Social media, uh, online shopping, and all these things just lead somewhere. And they leave us empty and, and hurtful and sorrowful like the rich young ruler. But we get to keep the things we treasure, right? <laughs> and yet, over and over, so many keep clenching on to their treasure. In closing, I would like to read a couple verses from Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 3. Here's what it says. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So I think this is what the rich young ruler missed. He was not good. He could not be good. He could not keep God's commandments. He could not attain or inherit eternal life. Yet... He knelt down before the one who was the resurrection and the life. 
the one who had met the requirement of the law on our behalf, the one who was paid the wages of our sin on the cross, the one who rose again and and gives all who delight in him and hope in him. He gives us that same power of the resurrection to walk in the Spirit uh, with joy that the world cannot touch or comprehend. He is always at work in us uh, practically doing what he has already done in us positionally uh, through the righteousness of Jesus. It's the same power, yes, that raised Jesus from the grave. And that power will one day also raise us up uh, to be with him, no longer connected to the brokenness that comes from sin. So put your hope in Jesus with me. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the promise of the Messiah in Genesis. After Adam and Eve sinned, the promise that your son would come through the offspring of the woman and defeat Satan, um, that he would live the perfect life and die the sinner's death and give his righteousness to all who delight in him. He would be raised from the grave and give us the same power of the resurrection to overcome sin as we walk with, with you, Father. And through that same power, he will raise us from the grave, uh, incorruptible to be with with you forever and ever. I thank you for the beautiful gift of the gospel. And just open our eyes to see more of your beauty, Father. We love you so much. Help us to share your glory with others. Thank you for showing us that Jesus is beautiful, that he's the greatest treasure in the universe. Help us to share his beauty with others. In Jesus' name, amen.